ain't no right. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. At the end of the 19th century, just as the GA's provincial championships were kicking into gear, the phrase, a curate's egg, first came into use. It appears to first have been used in Punch, an English satirical magazine, which also did a byline in racist cartoons where Irishmen were rendered as, as apes. So what was a curate's egg? A lowly curate, having breakfast with his bishop, was served a bad egg. But when asked by the bishop what it was like, the curate reassured his host that parts of it are excellent. So in the beginning, describing something as a curate's egg was a cowardly way of not telling someone the truth about something. But over time, the meaning of the phrase has changed. And a curate's egg now is a way of describing a thing that is partly good and partly bad. Now, it can be fairly clear that the Anglican bishop and his curate in the 19th century weren't discussing the GAS provincial championships, of course, but no phrase fits last weekend better. On the one hand, there were brutally one-sided provincial matches in Kerry and Dublin that would make you despair for the competition. But on the other hand, if you were in Navan or in Newry or best of all in the beautiful Midlands town of Tullamore and you watched your team win against the odds, then the feeling was one of joy and is one of joy. So we'll be talking about joy and despair today and we'll be working out exactly where this season now is. We will be looking also at who the most underrated players in Gaelic football are at what it's like to be dropped and to tell someone that they have been dropped, at the rise of Sligo and at the Saturday game and GA Go. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show, supported by Renault, who are very welcome back. My name is Paul Rouse and I'm joined today by the former Mayo footballer and manager James Horn, by the former Galway footballer Gary O'Donnell and by Morris Brosnan of the Irish Examiner. Um, Morris, you and your kind have now... <laughs> taught us how to see Gaelic football through numbers. And do you think because of your work, there is now no such thing as an underrated player left in the game? Um, <laughs> that is a blockbuster intro. Between that intro and that, oh, yeah, yeah. that, is, true, that deserves true. applause. <laughs> um, there's, two, there's two elements to this, right? There's, like, I think statistics are valuable to properly rate players who might go unheralded in certain instances. So just for example, Gary's on here today. The last time I spoke to Gary was for a piece when I went back and I added up the minutes played by every single Galway player. And I was kind of surprised that Johnny Heaney was at the top of that list. And Gary was, at the time, he was kind of adamant to know that was that totally tracks. Like he's one of Galway's most important players. And then you look into it and you realise, for example, under the previous management, Galway, they had a... Um, there was a metric they used, there was ranking possessions. So, you know, you'd go back and tag every single player's possession and some of it could be like a link play, positive, negative. And it just so happens one of the players who ranked really highly in that in terms of the, the outcome for your scores was Johnny Heaney. As it happens, the player who also was very high on that list was Ian Burke. You can see at the weekend, I think a lot of people have seen why, why that was to be the case. Like his, that man can hand pass the ball over the bar from a 45. Like he's just so good at that, uh, getting the ball into his paws and giving it off. So in that instance, I think numbers actually help you properly understand and maybe pay more attention to a player who wasn't but then there's a there's a uh, indefinable stuff and there's stuff around moments or even stuff that you, you wouldn't necessarily rate so James might be better on this but 
I think of like Andy Moore in his book spoke a lot about Jason Doherty. He said he was his most important teammate he had in, in Mayo. Now that, that man has never won an All-Star. Statistically, he never necessarily stood out to me, but just clearly a huge role that he plays as a link player that went very highly rated in that dressing room. In the same book, he actually said that Caelan Crow was one of his most important teammates as well. Who again, a guy I'd say a lot of people don't know, but what he did within training. Um, and that stuff, like how do you, there's no statistical metric, there's no number or data point that you can point to to would prove that, but that stuff is invaluable. Like, oh, the, the GPS same... might show it, would it? <clears throat> show Jason Doherty chasing Andy Doherty's man, or Andy Moran's man. But to, to, yeah, to, 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 how would you rate it in terms of its effectiveness or in terms of moments within a game? Moments are, that's a huge one. Like, I think of one of the elements of, I don't think Lee Keegan was underrated, but one of the things Lee Keegan was so brilliant that was summoning a huge moment when it looked like it was sorely needed. Go back to his last year, like James, the game in... The Monhin game, I think it was, it was 20 minutes at a point when he hit that one outside the, the 45. To, he did the same thing against Galair. He did from the outside the 45 on the outside of his booth from, in, in Crow Park. Uh, ramped up the field when I think the, uh, Mayo might have been three or four points down at the time. So And I don't, those moments are massive, but there's no there's no data point to point there for that stuff. So I think if you're trying to... There's, there's are you arguing against numbers now, Morris? I no, mean, I'm, you started arguing for them. All I'm trying to say is there's a balance. There's a middle road with all this sort of stuff that... You, you need to take it in context. You can't point solely at numbers. You can't point solely at, or dismiss them utterly. You kind of take it in, in context. And there's a middle ground there that I think most of us, if we're honest, are operating that middle ground. And it's only in certain places you, you find extremes on either end. James, who's who, who would you consider the most underrated player in your Mayo teams? Oh, a few of them. First, I, I love having two Goy boys on here and they can talk in much detail about Mayo. I tell you, it's, 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 <laughs> I am talking yet. Uh, uh, very good. And the, way, the way I describe what, what Morris is saying, he's, he's, he's right, that stats support a decision or they support a direction or, or whatever. They're not the sole being. If you make a decision completely and utterly on stats without bringing sort of real life presence, gut, your feeling, the, the look, body language, everything. You, you know, there's so many other things that you that you take into account when you're when you're making a decision on something. Stats do provide good direction and, and support for it. So that's the, that's the way I always say it. I remember going to Connacht. We used to go around, you know, for a couple of days every year to, to different professional teams and see what they were doing. I remember the first time I went to Connacht, it was in there and they brought us into it. They were brilliant and, and they were absolutely brilliant. Brought us into all the meetings and all the stats and all the reviews and whatever. And they had stacks of stats for years you know for like at a professional rugby stacks of stats. and they ended up you know and this is in pat lab's time as well they ended up just scrapping a load of them and going with, with, with four or five of them because there's too many and there's too many games and too many sessions so there's too much information that was just sort of noise as opposed to something that would help so i found that very interesting that they put it down to to, to some very basic things that they that they needed and the, the one that always took out for me was the 50 50s you know, they had to they had to divide it down that whenever the ball's on the ground, you know, and there's two people going for it, the ball in the air, it's a high ball, and someone's going for it. They broke it down. Even you know, a real professional team, they broke it down to a simple one that you see on the field, you know, and it can be marked on the field. It doesn't need to be, you know, that that hours and hours back through real later on. So, so just just something that's interesting shape. Maybe some of the stats that 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 we did. But sorry, just back to your back to your question. Um, the most underrated player. Um, interesting, Gary's thoughts on this too, and all as well. But I, I would there's, there's a couple of them, and you, you mentioned Jason Doherty, and 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 uh, amazing, amazing guy around the place. Um, his professionalism, everything that he does, um, helped helped 
the team and helped helped other players at an individual level as well. Fantastic. But I I would say the guy for me that was so important to us and that I don't think many or other people realize was probably Seamus O'Shea. Um um, he, he'd be known, and obviously a brother of Aiden, he'd be known so, uh, for, for that quite a bit, but a very different player. But he was one of those guys that was sort of rugged, strong, just wanted to do what he could for the for the team and and and, and could be very, was really, really important for us an awful lot of times. And I, I'd always ask you, you'd go away after the game and we'd have a victory or whatever, and there'd be, you know, Killian or Andy or Aiden or someone would always be discussed and mentioned, whatever. And... You know, us and the, the selectors become like, did, did, did anyone, did no one else see what Jamie did or the role he played or how we covered or how we supported, how we let the others off or how the tackles he got in or whatever? So, so that was that was over, you know, a decade, um, I would say. So, he's he's probably there, there's others, obviously, but but uh, Jamie would probably be, be be top of the list for me. And when you looked at other teams, were you able to figure out similar players in other teams? So, someone else might be getting. The headlines, but you're looking at saying what's happening here in other teams as well. Similar players. Ah, yeah, they're 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 on they're on every team. You know, they're the they're the backbone um, of a lot of teams. And this man we have on today is is, is probably one of them. Um, you know, he drove drove Galway forward for years. I would say when 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 sometimes in, in some tough years, uh, kept going and kept doing it. You know, and and, and obviously he's doing that on field. He's doing that. He's doing that on training and, and and away from the from, from the spotlights. But I, I think every team, probably to a certain extent, has has players that are the the bedrock or the, or the heartbeat of the team, and they mightn't be the the showy, flashy type of guys or the guys that get the scores or get the big spectacular play. Um, but they're the they're the guys that the other fellas on the team just get their reference off, get their get their base off, and they're absolutely absolutely critical and. There's always certain teams, you know, just back to the stats, there's, there's certain things that you look for, but there's certain sort of physical plays and presence and things that people do that you're always looking for that, that displays the character of the team or the attitude of the team on a certain day. And they're the guys that usually usually represent us and, and you know, day in, day out do it. And, and everyone else sort of goes from, goes from there. Gary, you have to accept yourself from this answer, but in, in your time in Galway, who do you think was the most underrated footballer? <clears throat> well, Morris mentioned one of them there anyway. When when Morris rang me a few weeks ago about that, I think he gave me a chance to answer who I thought who, who I thought the current most appearances was and so on. And I went with Paul first, Paul Connery under under Porrick, and then my second guess would have been Johnny. But like under maybe the times we we're playing against James's teams and over the last five six years, I probably would have someone like Eamon Brannigan or something like that. Um, you know, even even defining an unsung hero. Like I'm trying to think in my head, how would you define them? Like it's as, as James said there it's, it's the guy that nearly you can hang your hat on that you know any day going out to a training session to a match he ain't going to let me down like he's going to stick to a game plan he's going to play the way he always does he's not going to deviate if you have a job for someone to do he'll do it it's funny like looking from the outside in you might think isn't that what every intercounty player should do but it's not always the case like um, even the current Galway team like I, I was trying to even think my, myself today apart from maybe Johnny who is the who are the other unsung heroes? And there isn't too many. A lot of them are getting a kind of a lot of attention at the moment, and rightly so in some cases. I'd even say maybe Dylan McHugh was kind of forming into that kind of unsung hero at the moment, where he's gone out every day and he's seven out of ten minimum. So he's ticking away, doing a job. He's assisting scores. 
just doing nothing, not putting a foot wrong and playing in a system and it suits him. And the other thing is too, is the likes of a Johnny, Paul, uh, even though Paul would be an unsung hero, Eamon Brannigan, now Dylan, they're never injured. They're always available. Uh, and even from being in with them, they were always like, if you National League games, they come thick and fast. You might have a few lads crying off on a Tuesday, depending on what the case may be with a tight hamstring, because they know they have a two week break. Those lads were always out on a Tuesday night training, like regardless what the session was. Uh, and as I said to you, like with management, Kevin was there for five years, Porrick is there four years now, uh, with Johnny in particular, and he's just been an ever present. And I remember when Kevin first came in with us, <clears throat> Johnny was brought in. He's from the same club as Johnny, and he was there on merit, obviously, never mind the club thing. But um, he came in his first year. He didn't play any FBD game. He didn't play any National League game. And he didn't play any championship game. He was just there all year. Uh, and then after that, his second year, he played everything from there on in. And since that second year, he's been an ever-present. Like, and he just literally, he wasn't injured in his first year. He just learned the trade, kept his head down, was always available, always ready. And he just bided his time. And once he got in, he hasn't, he hasn't, um, he hasn't looked back. And final thing is just on the league final as well. <clears throat> um you know, I thought when he went off after his injury, it's not the goal we lost their shape or lost their way or anything that, but it just showed how pivotal, pivotal I thought he was. 100%. Um, in terms of that, you know, he started out a corner back with Porrick. He's now playing wing forward and he kind of, he's the ideal player to play that system and that he's he's contributing very well in the forward system with assists and scores and goals and so on. But he, he has great defensive awareness too and tracking runners and getting back into positions and playing that system well. So... From a manager's point of view, I'd say he's just a dream that way. And and then on Eamon, the last thing is just on Eamon Brannigan, similar kind of thing, a bit of a, a maverick kind of a player, but you just knew what you were going to get from him. Um, as, as a teammate as well, you could rely on him, you could trust him. He was there for the benefit of the team and always available, available fit uh, and worked his socks off like so. Yeah, there'd be a couple of guys that I'd probably be looking at, yeah. Did you ever, when you were playing against, we'll say, teams from Munster or or Leinster, yeah, Ulster lead as well, outside your own province, you're playing against them. And did you ever get a surprise that someone was better than you thought they were going to be or vice versa? You know, someone oh, yeah. come to you with a big name. Someone come to you then with a big name and you kind of go, ah, don't see where that came from. Yeah, often the case. Look at, as you say, there were analysis and, and video analysis and so on and so forth. You'd always do your homework prior to games and, and Paddy Talley came in with us for a year. He, he'd obviously had the inside, and a lot of the Ulster Ulster players he knew he knew a lot of them inside out. It was kind of a bit of a an education in some cases. He was nearly able to tell us what course they're at in college and where they're living and so on and so forth. So it was an eye opener for a lot of us. But um, yeah, like even go back to the the Mayo players that we were to play at the time, and Shamey was mentioned there. He would be around the same age as me, and very very good players were to always rate him very highly. And I, I probably add Kevin McLaughlin maybe into that as well. And um, you know. Yeah. And, the kind of similar type of player maybe to Johnny in that he could play in defence, he could play in attack, huge link player, always running, very, very selfless as well. And during that, <clears throat> during Mayo's probably fruitful years there where they're getting to all-earned finals and so on and so forth, I thought he was hugely instrumental and probably didn't get the attention or the headlines that other players do. But like I'm sure if you went into the Mayo dressing room or even the Galway dressing room, the, the, the players they pick and the players that a lot of lads were kind of value the most are them unsung heroes like you know yeah. if you asked who are the best goal players at the moment most people would say Shane and Damien and so on and so forth and performance wise and skill wise they may be there but like I'm not saying Damien or, or Shane aren't raising the standards and things like that but most players will value the guys that are kind of driving things on and you know very very selfless Ian Burke's another example I used to love playing with Ian Burke because <clears throat> 
you know, anytime you got the ball off the, or any ball, time ball went in and you're running off his shoulder, he'd always give it to you. And it sounds simple and so on and so forth, but most inside forwards want to turn and shoot or manufacture a shot for themselves. So hugely selfless. And he complements the full, full forward at the moment very, very well in terms of Damien and Shane being such a threat. And he's just kind of like an assist player and kind of bringing everyone into it. So he's very, Gary, he's, 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 he's an amazing player. Like it's, Morris referenced here, the hand pass he got at the start of the second yeah. half from, from Paul's. How quick did he get that, you know, and then get the, the pace and the power he needed with his left hand was was amazing. But he's sort of like the one player you don't want to see kicking the ball. You, you know, you know, he's so good with his he's so good with his hands. Um and he's so quick, he's so, so quick thinking. He's 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 an absolute nightmare. But the other player I wanted to pick up that you that you mentioned, Dylan McHugh. For 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 me, he's he's become one of the you know, one of the best sort of young players in the country, I would say. I, I think over the last Last period, he's he's become a serious player for Galway, um, and and he might be sort of underrated at the moment. But he's 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 coming on the radar, um, hot and everything. Like I thought he was instrumental, um, um, you know, on Sunday Sunday for Galway, and and is sort of becoming a leader in that in that group. So so um, huge huge addition for for Galway. I thought it's looking it's at him last year. Sorry, sorry. I, I thought looking at him last year. I thought I thought looking at him last year that he could do more. And, and that he was almost playing within himself. And you look at him this year, and he looks like he's he's in the middle of doing more. And James, I just want to ask you, Gary, before you come back in, James, I just want to ask you to reach across the border there. And is this something, do you see Galway as, as All-Ireland winners? Oh, Galway could definitely win the All-Ireland. Absolutely. Um, absolutely, they could. Yeah, I, I, I thought Galway yesterday for i'd say 22 23 minutes of the first half you know sometimes you see a team playing and you the the shape and the pattern the pace they were moving the ball the type of players in the caliber that i thought oh crikey um these these boys are on point at at, at the moment so now the start of the second half shakes shakes out a little bit but but there was just an, there was enough in their performance on sunday that i thought there was an added maturity and and you know with ian burke peter cook did a lot of running They've, they've, they've additions. They lost a couple, you know, with 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 with, with Silk and 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 uh, Malloy, but they've gained an awful lot more this year, you know. And they on top of the experience, on top of everything else. And you know what I was looking at is is the age profile of Galway. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of them, 25, 26 is twenty sixes, you, twenty. You know, even Damien and Shane, they're probably 29, 30, I would say that 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 sort of it. There's a lot of them in that place. That's they're at their. They're at their, their their peak, so I think they've a lot they've a lot going on at, at the moment, and 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 ah, they'd be they be serious contenders. I'm pretty pretty sure of that. Two of the other serious contenders were out at the weekend: Dublin and and Kerry. Morris, how would you rate their experience of the weekend? Uh, there's a lot of teams got more out of playing challenge games last week than Dublin and Kerry got out of what happened at the weekend. It's just that rally of, of what they're up against um just small little snippets that you could try and pull from it i've seen I, I think for a long time now i've said thomas sullivan i think i wrote this for the examiner a couple of weeks ago does i see a future for him uh, even a line further i think Thomas Sullivan would be a great six for Kerry. uh when you see how good he is getting forward and the fact that he's their best man marker means he's often tied down the other end but he's just so good at getting forward and getting those the scores on the side of the boot he does him a big talking about moments too he does him a big moments uh, i remember the qualifying last year in the rain against E. James when Gary were under the start of poorly that day and 
he kicked one into the Davenance on the outside of his boot. To, I think they were they were three two down. He kicked the point. They were draw level at the, that stage. It was a huge score at the time. Um, so the small the snippets like that that you, I'm sure they could take from it a bit. But as a exercise in competitiveness and trying to get ready for what's coming this summer, it was a two out of ten. I'd say. Yeah. What do you think, Gary? Dublin and Kerry announcing themselves. Yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking about this over the years and uh, looking at the, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about the provincial championships gone stale and all that. Like, I think a lot of players still value it like, and winning it. Big question I'd ask is, particularly in Leinster, I don't know what the likes of Leash, Kildare, Mead and so on are doing in the last 10 years. Like, they're big football counties, particularly, particularly Kildare and Mead. <clears throat> they're real proud football counties, good players. And, you know, okay, Dublin have been fantastic and probably the team of our generation. But like, I, I just can't get my head around how they're how they haven't closed the gap or even caught them on the half. Even like in James's teams were 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 dominant over us over the few years. Like, um, like we had to find a way to reel them in, and the gap did widen significantly in that time. But we had to find a way, some way, to stop it. Uh, I, I haven't seen Mead or Kildare do that at all. Like, and they're two big GA counties, big football counties, and they've literally been the fawn way over the last ten years, and and. The GA Championship needs them, like they bring great colour, they bring great support, tradition, and so on and so forth. But uh, I'd be asking the question what the other counties are doing, like that they haven't really caught, caught Dublin on the hop on a given day or stifled them or done something. I know I, I, I can see you can, you can get in a row and do three, four, five in a row, fair enough. But to be heading towards is a 12 in a row now, um, I'd be asking the question of that more so than the other. Yeah, I, Gary, I, it's an interesting point. I, I think I mentioned this before a few years ago, I think some of those teams some of those counties particularly in Leinster go, Dublin were so good and they were like Dublin pushed the envelope in every single capacity of Gaelic football you know they, they tried everything they were bringing everything from the skills speed psychology everything to a to a different level and you, you really needed to go after them and, and, and chase them and, and I think a lot of the Leinster the bigger Leinster counties didn't they gave up you know they, they sort of what's the point or whatever and sort of maybe gave themselves an out as regards some of the standards that that they were applying to themselves and how they trained and what they did and what they could could do and they, maybe I, this is just my theory i could be completely wrong but that they just took maybe the easier option of not really really trying to apply and and, and go after the the highest standard possible you know dublin have won 17 out of the last 18 leinster provincial championships kerry have won 11 out of the last 13 in 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 Munster Senior Football Championship, Kerry have almost twice as many of all the other provinces or all the other counties in in Munster put together. These are um these are routinely presented as damning facts as the reason why the provincial champions championships should be abolished. And I I totally disagree with that as as an argument. And I disagree with it from different levels. First of all, anybody can see what the Ulster Championship is. It has absolute meaning in the way the players go after it, number one. Number two, nobody can tell me that Mayo, Galway, Roscommon and now Sligo are, are not absolutely going after the Connacht Championship this year. There's a huge there's a huge value to it, and you could see it after the game yesterday. But on a lower level, if you've been if you see the scenes after a loud reeled in Westmead yesterday, and I'll speak from personal experience, if you were on the pitch on O'Connor Park yesterday after Offaly beat me to see what it meant to win a championship match against a serious county in notwithstanding what Gary has just said, a serious county in the Lancaster Championship. And what it meant there were over five hundred people on the pitch after the game and there were genuine celebrations and players were elated. That has to mean something. 
and and to just abandon a structure seems to me to to not make sense. Do you disagree, James, on 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 that? I I think the conversation next year will be be very interesting when you see how you know the the groups of the All Ireland go this year, um, and 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 what happens, and and it'd be interesting to see how teams set up for next year and and what value they place on the on the provincial championships next year. Um, court, champion championship as it was is probably still in our heads and 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 you know when you saw some of the games over the weekend and and beating your neighbor um, is, is is huge and then particularly for teams that you know beating your neighbor and the chance of getting into an all Ireland series um, is, is 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 added way to it. Um, but just the way the design is at the moment, I just think that you know next year and over the next couple of years if it stays as it is that the provincial championships maybe for the bigger teams might dilute i will will dilute i think it might be they'll look at it of course because winning trophies nice anytime any place anywhere absolutely but you look at that but you'll you'll, you'll be looking at the at the you know division one and many of the division two teams will be looking at the all Ireland series and i think we don't know this year you know, because that unknown this year, but when they go through and experience and see it, I think next year's prep might be might be different as a result. In in other words, people will start managing how far they need to go, managing their players. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I do think so, and and like th- this year, and I, I think in the group stages, there's I think panel sizes and injuries and all that kind of stuff is going to is going to play a big part. You can you can start to see it already. Some teams starting starting you know with, with some key players you you know will they be back or or not or they're, they're yeah. not patient and whatever. And when it gets to the series end, that'll become you know you you lose. I'd say in 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 high championship games you lose a player a match at least. You, you know no I, I don't have the formal stats on that but player maybe even a little bit more or if you've game weeks games week on week. You know, you have a couple of players that at work, you know, at best can't train during the week and might only get 40 minutes or 20 minutes in the, in the fall. So there's an awful lot of stuff that, that goes on. So when all that's sort of said and done and all the games are played and, and people see where they are, I just think that next year's provincial championship, I hope I'm wrong, um, will will be will might be viewed differently. Morris, I want to look at the Talchin Cup standings for, for for a minute. If if we argue that Dublin beat Kildare next Sunday, which I think is is I think most people would argue that that's extremely likely to happen. That would mean that in the other semi final, Loud and Offaly are playing, and if Offaly were to beat Loud, Offaly would be true to the All Ireland series. And if you look at what's happening in Ulster, there's a semi final, there's an Ulster semi final there between Down and Armagh. Now Armagh will be favourites for that, but it's far from beyond the bounds of possibility that Down will win that match. So if both Down and Offaly were to win, that would mean that as well as Mead being in the Talchin Cup, which is now a done deal, both Kildare and Cork would also be in the Talchin Cup. What 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 would the implications of that be? Um, so there, yeah, there's there's a couple of things there. Like like just on on Jane's point for a second, I, I I appreciate we'll know more in hindsight, but I do think I do think it would be a. It, it's easy to throw out a hypothetical. I do think it's a significant thing if you're a third seed, if you're a Mayo and you're drawn away to Kerry in that first round and then suddenly you're looking at a second game in that group 
And I know, look, three teams qualifying is, is not ideal and you're going to have the preliminary qualifying. But if you've got, you're coming off the back of, you're potentially going into that third game fearing three losses in a row. That's, I think three losses in a championship season, there's a bit of, there's a bit of psychological damage there that I don't think that's should be dismissed. Now, easy set in hindsight, but just on your, on your point there, I actually think that's the crux of the, like, whatever, people seem to be constantly saying for the last couple of weeks that provincial championships are dead, they're on their last legs. I would not underestimate the determination within some of these organizations to hold on. That's the only thing I would say. Secondly, uh, like, like to what to what end? You know, if you look at the the if, if, if people are wanting to get rid of the Premier Championships because they're worried about hammerings that we saw last weekend, what's your solution? It can't be the league because I can point to you a litany of examples in the league of hammerings. Like there was every division every week, more uh, or less. Monaghan did it to Donegal in Division One, but a couple of teams did it to Donegal in Division One. But Kerry did it to Monaghan in the same division. Go down to Division Two. Derry did it to Clare. Did it to Limerick. Did it to Mead. Division Three. Westmead did it to um, Westmead for thirty points up, uh, up on Antrim. Yeah. The Division Four. Wexford did it to Waterford. Leash did it to Carlow. Like these. This happens. Leitrim did it to Leitrim did it to Carlow. Sorry. This happens in across the divisions. It's, it's, it's Spurs did it to Newcastle in twenty minutes <laughs> yeah. last Sunday yesterday. Every sport, uh, but, every sport has hammerings. But just on that, right? If you go back, look at the, the four division finals. You've got four division. Uh, that's in essence, if you're hailing that structure, they should be the most com- competitive games. Uh, the average winning margin in the four division finals this year was four and a half points. A quirk is go back to the two French champions that teams hail or criticize the most. Go look at Leinster and look at Munster for a second and take Kerry and Dublin out of it. Take those two teams out of it. The average winning margin in Munster this year was two and a half points. The average winning margin in Leinster is 4.8. So they're, one of them is as competitive as the, the all four divisions. One of them is more competitive than all four divisions. So the problem, to my mind, is that you've got a small bracket, a, a, an even smaller bracket, I think, when you look at what's happened in Donegal, of eight or nine teams who are, like that when they play football at the highest level, it is light years ahead of anything we've ever seen before. That is, the standards of those teams is brilliant. And then there's a gulf. There's a big gulf from there down. And you've a lot of teams who maybe are some of our teams, maybe they're Talented Cup teams, but they're on the precipice. And the thing you need to do is how do we get, as Gary spelled out very well there earlier, how do you get those teams to be competitive with this top tier? It's not, it's, it's the Meads, Corks, Clares. Those are the teams that you want. Roscommon are doing it now, but those, they're the teams that we need to be focusing on. Because what happens in the divisions, Paul, is that they play each other over and over again and they all get stronger. They all get exposed to those top eight teams. But who is developing from the league structure? Who, how are we getting teams up to that level? So that's until somebody comes at me with a with a format that would do that. That we now that happens. Gary says right, like that has to happen internally as well as externally. But I just don't know if the if we rip it all up and start with this thing, is that actually the to to a certain extent? I think some people want to get this stuff out of the way because it's out of sight, out of mind. It's I don't want to see Tipperary on my telly. I don't want to see Waterford as opposed to how do we get more teams up uh, at that level. Where do you stand on it, Gary? Where do you stand on the provincial championships? Like I said previously, I, I, there's definitely still value in it, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. But um, it is getting stale. There's no doubt about it. Even the lopsided draw of, of Connacht this year, like like it's great to see Sligo yeah. progressing so well. Two back to back under twenty first time they've ever done it <clears throat> at any age level. Um, like it's brilliant to see them. So that's like they're making huge progress. Progress, but the lopsided nature of the draw kind. Okay, Kind of, we've we've spoken about it's been spoken about quite quite enough that um you know that there like it could have been in New York for example in a in a group stage of an All Ireland but um 
I work actually with a, with a guy who was, who was in the county board and I, since I'm on the outside of it now I can say what I want from but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm spending a lot of my breaks and lunchtimes um, questioning them on this game thing like of getting as many games into players the same at club level like uh, I know players and, and um, committees and things are all about getting games 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 but I'd be maybe somewhat traditional in that saying the competitive side it has to come back in like that group of four this year or three coming out it's farcical really yeah. The three coming out of a group of four, we just don't know where teams are going to be come come July time. Um, even the National League, you're, you're kind of double guessing yourself with game plans or what teams are doing, or you know, are they holding themselves back? I just think in a group of four, it just has to be straightforward to come out straight to quarterfinals, a bit more cutthroat. Um, and even at that stage, I think player, teams have enough games played. And this thing of kind of you know keeping everyone happy and getting games and getting money and gate receipts and so on and so forth. I just think we've got to get away from that and get that more competitive nature. Even in the hurling, I I see, for example, Galway Wexford player that played there on Saturday. It's like a challenge match, so flat, um, because there's a safety net there. I I would I maybe I'm wrong. I would say Wexford maybe didn't target that game, and they know they're quite, they're targeting other games maybe that they can win maybe at home and so on. But uh, just so much kind of shadow boxing, a lot of flat games as a result. I think we just need to get back to the kind of cutthroat of and okay that might leave the counties we're talking about there behind a bit. But again, I'd apart from maybe the organisation helping them a small but I think they need to kind of make up the ground as well themselves I was I was just thinking there um, in, in in what's it like to be from the way you're talking about what's it, what's it like to be a club player at the moment yeah good like I've been exposed to now for two years um, obviously completely different inter-county in, in terms of the prep is still very good it's very competitive the great thing I find about it is probably the split season like you know it's I came right into it at the right time with the split season and that there's clarity in where the season's going. Like our our club league here starts in Galway in March, it's around Paddy's weekend and it's every second weekend right up to mid-June. If you get into a league semi-final, a final it goes up into nearly July and then you're probably looking at championship around August time uh, and you know when the dates are whereas I remember playing with Galway over the years like you couldn't plan anything, you couldn't do anything. There was no structure or organisation around it like and whereas now it's 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 fairly black and white so it's probably coming from an intercounty setup and back into a club setup. That'd be the big perk for me, and it's it's, it's quite enjoyable. It's it's obviously policed and 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 refed even different ways as well too. So, um, how do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean by that? All right, look, if we 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 played league games there at the weekend and or um played last Thursday night and so on and so forth. Like like you'd be black and blue coming out of club club games in comparison to intercounty. A lot of intercounty lads would say that too because we used to have club games, an odd club game. We used to be released for them. Um, generally after the National League and all the lads would tell you coming out of club games that they'd be black and blue coming back in with injuries and niggles and so on in comparison it's not that inter-counties not as physical it's just the cut and trust of it and so on um, but very enjoyable yeah but there, there, there's definitely there's definitely a case that I don't know the same going that when inter-county players go back into club that the inter-county player within the team is ref slightly differently to the to the rest of the team what I mean by that is that that it's sort of okay. It's it's sort of okay. I'm thinking mainly of, of a few male main players, Aidan O'Shea or whatever. Some of the stuff that happens to him at club level is just beyond belief. But it's sort of there's some sort of um, flawed logic that it's nearly okay because they're a county player and they, the training that they have and the blah blah blah. So, so sort of shut up and take your take your medicine. I don't I don't know if there's there's, there's some of that. I find that quite a bit in in some games, depending on the ref. Um, I I would say there's a view 
amongst players who are normally club players that county players can often get the rub of the green from a referee. Yeah. I think Aidan O'Shea's problems are slightly different. I think he doesn't get a fair twist. Anyway, he got a black card against Kerry in last year's All-Ireland quarterfinal, which is one of the worst decisions I think I ever saw in Crow Park. It was an absolute scandal of a decision. But anyway, um, the, 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 the way this year is... is is rolling on, it seems to me to be prolonging lives for players in counties in that it's split and you can you can have your county thing and then you go back to your club rather than this endless turn. It might it me, might mean that people last longer at inter-county player or maybe it'll be thrown out quickly. James, what was it like to tell somebody that they could know that you were dropping them from the panel? Dropping them from the panel. Gone. A county panel. What was it like to tell somebody that they were being dropped from an inter-county panel? Uh, it, it, again, depending on <clears throat> depending on player, it could be very different. You know, a, a young player that mightn't be ready yet, and you're 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 dropping them and you're leaving them with a development plan to go and work on a couple of things, and you're thinking that's a that's a that's a sort of progressive step for them and the right the right thing to do. But a player towards the end of their career, um. You know, there's there's probably an, an, a natural underst understanding there. It sort of comes sometimes to a natural end, you know. And you'd have, if you're a manager there for a few years, you'd have discussions well in advance, and you'd know, you, you know, you'd know what happened. Probably the hardest one would be that someone that's maybe in their prime, yeah, mid career, yeah, mid career that maybe attitude is off or some or, or for whatever reason it can be that can be that can be uh, uh, an unmercifully tough. Um, conversation, you know, that that you can go through, and there's yeah. Look, you've I'm sure any manager at any level, you you've there's some very very tough ones that can go on for on for a long time, and 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 look need to be very very detailed based. A lot of them can get emotional, I, I would say, you know. So so you need to keep it um, factual and 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 be clear on the on the reasons why, and and obviously give you know in, in a lot of cases give people. Uh, you know, an avenue or, or, or something that they can, you know, if they're if they're off the panel, they can go and they can work on and and you you know review it through the club the club campaigns or or whatever it is. So you you, you try and give someone that does want to come back or does want to play into county football, you try and give them um, some some options that they can take. But oh, it can be it can be it can be gutting, you know, um, de depending on the on the circumstances. And what about leaving someone off a team? When you're, you're still on the panel, but you're you're, you're kind of leaving them off, or you're dropping them. They've 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 been in it. What's that like? How do you do it? Uh, again, different circumstances. But I'd say as a, as a at inter county level, it's it's sometimes at club level. If your manager is different, you, you you've just got your fifteen, or you've just got your you've just got enough, or or, or there's some guys that are happy to be subs. You know, it can be a different different scenario. But at county level, you're probably you know you're there's a you have a panel probably of 40. So you have your first 15 and guys that are playing are happy. You have your, then you have your sort of 26. Some of those guys are, you know, they know they'll get, get game time, but some of your 26 don't usually get game time. And then you have the group that are outside the 26. So, so that don't, don't get into the 26 that are still training and playing and doing whatever. So there's a huge amount of management you need to do there. And it's more management the further you go away from the starting fifteen, if you if you understand what I mean, there's the yeah. guys that are maybe non twenty six. Would you would you have put much time into it? 
Oh, we put into huge telling lads, into telling lads, into explaining to lads why they weren't being picked. Again, I suppose when it when it started, maybe my first term would mail a huge amount of time into it with 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 every player every time. Um, uh, you know, for each for each well, for each championship game, it could be two days, two full days where you'd sit down with each each player and 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 go through. Um, and you know, you'd build in if the players were playing, you'd build in game plan into it. But but if you're if you're dropping a guy, you could be you know you'd you'd need to go through it. And a lot of players, you know, they're ambitious guys that are keen to progress. So you, you need to have the reasons why in the detail. Um, you know why, why, and why not, and 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 then the again what you need to see maybe over because there could be a game in ten days, in ten days time. You know, it might be dropped for that one, but there could be a game in ten days time. So right over the next ten days, we need to see. You know, what we'll be looking for is this: what are you going to do to try and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, 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 so that can be it can be time consuming, but over time you change and evolve, and and you know the longer you're with certain teams, you you, you know what players you need to maybe spend more time with if you, if, if they've been dropped or what what players whatever and. You know, players themselves are. I'm a huge believer that players know themselves. Um, usually, the first to know who's playing well or how they're playing or where their form is and how close it is. You know, a lot of a lot of players of the team sort of picked in their own their own discussions before it's picked, and they'd be, they'd be very close. You know, but the, the hardest probably one for dropping is 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 guys not making the 26 that are pushing really hard and doing all the things that you're looking for them to do. And you know a close call between you, you know 20, 22 to twenty six on, on on the match at twenty six can be sometimes can be can be an extremely close call. So when when going through some of those conversations can be much harder than 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 dropping a fella from the starting turn panel if you like. So so um, yeah, there's lots 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 going on going on there. Depending on the team and the experience and everything else, it it you need to vary your approach a little bit. But but ultimately. Maybe to summarize it, you know, you need to, fellas need to know the reason why. And do you sugarcoat it? Have you ever sugarcoated it to someone or do you sugarcoat it to someone? I think I probably would have tried to go softly, softly um, back when I started managing. And I think, I think sugarcoating stuff is one of the most dangerous things you can do for trust in a team. It eventually, it eventually, if you start sugarcoating stuff, that you start sugarcoating other things. And before you know it, um, Sort of mistrust or whatever can can be built. So you do you do, anytime you're doing this, it's it's in a very respectful way. Don't I'm not saying that you sit down and you shout and you tell them what you do in a very respectful way, but you try and make sure that here's here's the details, here's why, um, here's 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 my logic, um, and here's what I think you can look. You, you know that type of of of, of pattern, I suppose, is is the approach. I am. Um, I got dropped at a different level altogether. I got dropped from the. Tullamore senior football team um, for the first time the championship. I played every match in the league and the team was announced for the championship and um, my younger brother was picked instead of me, corner forward without warning. He, uh, he wasn't 14, by the way, as uh, some of my friends like to remind me, but he was just coming out of minor. No warning. So <laughs> I was walking off the field and the manager knew I was going to ask him like what the story was. So he says, before you say anything, he's just better than you. And I thought there's, there's, there's yeah. no there's no attempted sugarcoating here. And what, and what 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 do you say about that, Gary? Um, were you ever dropped? I was, yeah, a few times. No, not, I was fortunate enough not it was only a few times. But um, yeah, anytime you were were dropped, and geez, I'd say when I started out my career, 
the team was just named. <laughs> that was it. If you weren't on it, you weren't. I think Liam Salmon was my first intercounty coach, and uh, there was no conversation there for when I can remember. Any yeah, if you were just weren't if you weren't on the team, you just weren't on the team, and that was it. Um, obviously, in in more recent times now, there's conversation to keep to player management is hugely important now. But uh, generally, in the lead up to be it a league game or a championship game, you the writing to be on the wall with the. AVBs or the formation you're going with or you just get an inkling with the way conversations are had and the way you're lined what up. What does that feel like? Do you know what? It's it's probably better than having it landed on you without expecting it because you can see the writing on the wall. I remember one time, I'd say it was one, during one of the lockdown games, James against you in the kind of final in Pierce Stadium. Um, <laughs> the writing was on the wall for me prior to that. I was near the end of my time now with Parik and he's first or second, you're not sure. And um, I wasn't lined up in any of the AVB games and I just and I wasn't one for, I wasn't generally one for going the few times I wasn't selected to play in big games. Um, I wasn't one to go to the coach. I, I would always, maybe this is a personal thing, I was kind of one to, I'd look at myself first, just keep the head down, you know, battle on, rather than kind of you know, plaguing a manager and saying, why am I on? And it'd be interesting to see what James thinks about that. Like, how does he perceive what a player coming to you, asking you? And and, and I imagine the personality is different of someone else could be aggressive asking why am I playing? And the perspective from a player's point of view is that, no, you feel that you should be playing ahead of whatever personnel is on the pitch and the management obviously feel the opposite way so it's a very different conversation even coming out of it I know from other players who've had conversations with managers they're never happy anyway even the reasons they that, that, that they're given for not playing but that that game in in lockdown like I wasn't involved in any of the well maybe the 10 days prior to it, we were doing AVBs and we had a challenge match I think and so on and then on the I don't know the Tuesday or the Thursday night he lined out the team and I was in it all of a sudden I remember Paul was beside me at the time and he, he gave me the wink or nod and I was kind of going, didn't see it coming at all. Like We did the run-through then on the Saturday and Paul was chatting away to me, you're going to be playing here and there and whatever. But um, that was that was one pleasant one, but because uh, you know, we're dying to play and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's 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 a different one. But I'd be interested to see what James think about lads, players approaching you. Do you perceive it difficult or so on, or different, sorry, with players that to motor on and get on with it, or players maybe that yeah. make the phone call or have the chat and say, why am I playing and how aggressive are they here? How does it look? Interesting. Uh, just just when, when when you mentioned sugarcoating, Paul, I can't imagine PJ would would sugarcoat. <laughs> no. yes, I think it's a fair fair assumption from from from, from the outside, but no. But, but, but uh, anyway, Paul, as well, you brought back memories. I was dropped for another in a final in '97, and I'll never forget it. I remember every single word that was said to me on the phone call, and it definitely shaped got me. A as, well, got a phone got call. A phone call. Yeah, I'm not, going to go through, was, I'm not going to through the, go through the conversation, but um, uh, maybe maybe some other time. I'm still not emotionally ready, Paul. You know, it's been there's only been yeah, yeah. But but you got a phone call. And you were told you were dropped. Yeah, that was it. Um, yeah, that, that, that was it. Did it was uh, well. You needn't tell us the full details, but did it last? A, was it a long phone call? About two minutes. And did you ask but, any questions? I did. What? Why? <clears throat> why? Why? Yeah. And, and, and why, were you given? Were you, were you given a logical answer, even if you disagreed with it? Were you given a logical answer? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, not, 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 not in my opinion. So, so look, I, I, I remember that 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 time, and I, I, I'd be often conscious of 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 players how they, you know, no matter where, what players stage players are at, or what level, or whatever that. How you're how you're dropped or how how you know what what's said in those moments can be can can have a big can have a big impact you know so 
So um, I certainly took that that with me as as as, as manager. But anyway, we we might go through that again, Paul. You know, so, so yeah, you're we'll, might come, we're definitely coming back <laughs> to that. On, I'm certainly get get too emotional. It's Gary had the question there. Sorry, Gary. Just um, to 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 answer, did I I if if someone just took it and didn't sort of not not challenge challenge is the right word, but wouldn't didn't discuss it or want to understand it, and um, didn't seem to care about it. You, you'd sort of wonder what's okay. You, you, you know what's how how badly does does, does this guy want or whatever. So so to to, to your question, I, I'd expect you'd expect a guy um, to to want to know exactly why to you know to to meet up or after training or whatever, meet for coffee the next day and go through it and. You know, so that they'd get a very clear, and uh, it's funny. Some examples of some players, my God, that that we had a couple of guys who weren't on the. I won't mention the name, but not on the twenty six. And my God, they every time they weren't on the twenty six, I, I, you know, I was chased down and pinned down. And we went through, we went through it week and week and week. And some of those players now are playing playing serious football, and they they were maybe a year and a half d- doing that and developing, and took took the feedback, and were so. So focused on, on playing into county football, they, they they worked it and grinded through it and and um, took it on board and and you know gave reports and updates weekly on how they were progressing and doing and from videos to, to reports to, to everything. So um, it's it's so important um, that that guys chase it up and and, and are keen to, to to develop and grow. It's funny you say it because I'm thinking back to I think it was maybe 2013 when. We got the clipping in in Pier Stadium for me, and I was dropped for that game. Funny enough, and um, uh, the conversation was had the week before, the week leading up to it, and probably small bit of writing on the wall. But uh, I was called into the other dressing room in Tum Stadium. I think Adam Mahan was over at the time, and he told me I wouldn't be starting. And um, I just said the conversation was over in about 15 sec- 10, 20 seconds. I yeah. said fair enough, and it wasn't that I didn't care. My mentality going out was. I'll show him. That was the kind of. It wasn't yeah. that I, I was yeah. going to go having a conversation and why I'm to play and I want to play. My one was that I'm going to put the head down. And I'm going to put myself in that team. That was mentality. But he he said after that in the meantime, like, he said he was so shocked at the conversation. He said he couldn't understand how he, I didn't question him. And he, like that, he probably thought maybe he doesn't want it or so on and so forth. Yeah. But that was not the case at all. But he he did say that to me in, in, after that or maybe years after that that he couldn't understand how I didn't question it or so on and so forth. So that's why I was just wondering. I think I can handle anything when you're over a team. I think I can handle anything except a lad sulking. I think it is it is it is the absolute pits when somebody when somebody goes into a sulk which c- can infect a place if it goes on for a couple of nights. And I think they have to go if that if that happens. If it uh, if it's, it's I think it's it's a poor it's a poor reflection. We've been um we've been we've been going through. Gary, week after week, predicting the results of matches, and it hasn't really been suiting the two lads so far. But <laughs> we're going to um, we're going to we're going to predict these uh, this weekend's matches uh, coming up here. And the the first game is on on Saturday evening, and it promises to be an absolute cracking game. Semi final of the Ulster Senior Football Championship, Morris Derry against Monaghan. How are you seeing this? Oh, yeah, I can't wait for this game. I'm going to do a tour of Ulster this weekend. I'm going to both the semi-finals Saturday, Sunday. Um, uh, this, I think this will be a cracker game. Speaking of the importance of the Princess, I think both teams would very much so once and lose the title. And lose the title will define Monaghan's season, regardless of what happens after that. 
Um, and I think Roy Gallagher has made it very clear that he wants to, to back up their, their title. Um, I still think Derry are our favourites. I, I, I actually thought Derry didn't get enough credit for what they did against Fermanagh in the discourse around that game. Um, the, for the last year, we've been saying that Derry, how do they attack? They're very slow and methodical. They don't kick the ball. Fermanagh played a plus one higher up the field. And what did they start doing? But putting Conor Glass in for forward and kicking the ball. That's how his point came off. Eaton Darty had some brilliant capacity inside. So they, I know they're not everyone's cup of tea, but they, they mix it up like they were creative that day. Um, so yeah, I, I'll share it to, to Derry, but I think that'll be a, an absolute cracker of a game. How do you see this, James? Yeah, in, interesting game. Um, you know, can can Monaghan sort of back it up and and and, and keep building and keep 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 improving? Um, they're going to meet, you know, Derry or Jesus Christ. They're, they're 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 tough to play. You know, they'll they'll stifle um, Monaghan's threat. You know, Conor McManus isn't going to get. Um, isn't going to get the amount of freeze that he that he got, or or Monaghan aren't going to get the amount of freeze um, that they got. So so Monaghan scores and how they're going to you know how they get the game winning winning amount will will, will be interesting. Um, but yeah, give give Monaghan a good chance. But but you just think Derry where where they are and and the ambitions they have um, that they'll 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 probably come through on this one. What do you think, Gary? Yeah, I think Derry too. Um, I think Monaghan, like even the last day, just uh, generally you get a lot of confidence out of taking a win like that against Tyrone in the manner they did. But just think the manner of trying having to go again, and it'll be just a completely different game against Derry as well too. I think they'll sap the energy out of them and just be a grind, and they're kind of gathering momentum under <coughs> Rory Gallagher doing the way he plays. So I think Derry will win that one. Yeah. The 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 following day, Morris. Um... Are you staying up? Where are you staying on the Saturday night? That's to be confirmed. If any, if any listeners are, are for you to give me a shout if they're around for a point on Saturday night, I'd be more than happy around. Careful, um, Jasper. Yeah. <laughs> Morris, that's unbelievably brave. <laughs> um, um, the Saturday, the, the, the Sunday game, Armagh against Down and Clonus. Uh, I, I, again, going back to what we've spoken about a lot with Armagh, um, it kind of defies the the logic, like this, this ongoing thing that you're hearing from our Mark coaches that they hadn't changed what they were doing in the league, and then suddenly they start pressing kickouts, full going ho on Gallagher's kickouts, Mernon and Turbot inside. They're playing two up. Um, you watch that McVeady, his first chance, he dropped the shot short, and the really quick transition kick pass into Mernon feeds Turbot, and that's the stuff we weren't seeing during the league. Like I saw. So, I, I do think there was a, a change in style, and I think that we've seen that now against Tyrone the last day of the league, definitely against Antrim, uh, against Cavan, and now it's another step up uh, this week. So from that perspective, I think uh, Armagh are moving really well. Mernon is a, a lovely foil for, for them inside. I think he gives them trust to give that kick pass. They were clever as well, Paul. They, they sprung Jerry Oak-Burns just before this game started, took out McCambridge and swapped Kieran Mackin to centre-back. So suddenly, Darren McVitie is trying to drop off to be a plus one, and you just can't drop off. That you watch the goal. The goal is a perfect example. McVitie is at the top of the D, trying to be a sweeper, which means Mac nobody's tracking Mac, and he comes in along the end line, gives a pass back across to Creeley. It might have been a square ball, but it was just a perfect example of why somebody needed to, to tag him. Or they, no, in saying that, I don't think McVitie was fit. Like I think that's a crucial factor in that. So Amara moving well. Um, I thought down were were really good at the weekend. I thought it was interesting that they didn't start Murdoch clearly. Still factoring in the twenties, they're two teams on totally different trajectories. Like I mean, the comparison between 
Donny Gall is, is light years. But if our mark keep going the way they're going, I think they'll, they'll win this game. James? Yeah, yeah. For my, we're, we're good the last day. I thought, thought Calvin were, were atrocious and lacked, lacked, lacked courage, I think, in the, in, certainly in the first half. They, they, I remember the first four or five plays they got, they just, Calvin just stopped and went backwards to try and set up some. So, so they hadn't that, that aggression, that progression that you need to, to, to challenge or really test. And I, I don't think they could get out of the mindset. And then when the game was sort of over, they, they had a crack at it then. So I'm not, I'm not sure how Calvin addressed But look, Armagh... We're good. They've, they've, you know, Turbot, some dangerous players, really near back. Uh, as, as Mara said, Mernon inside, they're, you know, Rugan, they're, they're, they have a, a lot of good players. Stephen Campbell runs, runs hard, you know, so they've, they've, they've good players. I think they'd be good. I think, I think Down have great pace. Um, very impressed with Kerr and McGill in particular. Uh, I thought the last, I just thought the, the tempo that some of their off the shoulder running was as good as I've seen in a couple of seasons. Um, downs, you know, it was really, really strong. The timing of it was really good, and you know, they ran through lines very, and it's hard to defend that. Even, even, even with numbers back coming at that that level of pace, you're you're gonna you're gonna go through the gap if you hit it that well, you know. So uh, thought they were, thought they were good. I think Downs still have an awful lot to learn, though, and I, I think Armagh just w- will be too clever and, and, and a little bit too good now. So so I'll give it to give it to Armagh. The thing about that middle third as well, James, is that uh, like you look at, they have like really. Like, you mentioned Danny McGill. I thought I was so impressed by him uh, at the weekend. Mm-hmm. But then they also have the likes of Doherty or, or Danny McGuinness, who give great. Yeah. Like Danny McGuinness's kick pass for um for the goal chance was brilliant. Doherty did the same thing for. I know they gave Man the Master Johnson, but the two kick he gave the kick pass for the mark and for the quick free from the forty fives. That that they have a a run or a kick option. That it, it's not. My point is that it's not one dimensional. That it, I think it keeps defenses guessing that way. So. That'll be uh, they've got their that middle third they have, and then you see the likes of Andrew Gilmore coming on. A lot of people who watch series in football will, will know about him, but they're they're developing nicely. They're under 20s, there's a huge amount of hype around to down under 20s. They're playing this week. Um, as I mentioned, they didn't they, they play Murdoch. They're they're clipping the way the way down set up now is that you know, Patton is such a good kick out, we'll let you have everything, and we're just going to work really hard to get Kane to kick it off short. So basically, both teams will have the same amount of chances. Ironically, both teams had the exact same amount of shots. It's who can manufacture better opportunities and ultimately it came down to a, a penalty, a very well taken penalty, which was from that. But yeah, I think down to very try and do a very similar thing this weekend. I just think that they found that that going that small bit easier than they might uh, on Sunday. What do you reckon, Gary? Yeah, same again. I'd be in agreement with the lads. Um, Armagh as well. Um, for a couple of weeks. They were, they were my favourite team to, to, to watch last year. I thought they were very entertaining. Loved the way they play. Uh, with power, pace, skill, so many good foot passers of the ball as well. Um, uh, even in the National League this year, that uh, no more than what Morris said there. Like I remember sitting down to watch the Kerry game this year, and you know, I ended up being nearly a damn squib because yeah. they played a completely different type of style. And I was kind of thinking at the time, I'm, I'm sure they're <clears throat> they're not just changing completely. It's probably maybe adding a few strings to their bow and so on, and for later down the championship, and that probably looks like it's going to be the case because probably the one criticism you would have had of them last year is that they were probably equally near easy easy play against in terms of the way they set up um but like you'd be on about the, the spectacle of the game at the moment and just even not the go grass common game yesterday like from a spectator's point of view and being out of it i know it's all about winning and so on but you know the first half was fair cat and mouse was like in a chess and then the first 10 minutes of the second half was just everything you wanted to see in the game with high fetch and kicking long ball pressing kickouts and so on and so forth so just even having conversations about how can you get that all the time or teams to be that bit more braver all the time, I suppose, to have maybe 
maybe not 70 minutes of it, but 40, 50 minutes of that kind of high octane, high intensity game. And Armagh kind of were the best I thought last year at that. Maybe not the best team in the country, but definitely the best to watch. So yeah, I'd fancy them over down the weekend for the reason what James is saying there as well, that they're probably just a bit further down the road. So um, yeah, good opportunity there for them to get an Ulster title as well. Yeah, I thought last weekend it was it was very interesting the kind of the, the development of GA Go and the Saturday night show on RTE. It allows you to see more matches than than previously. And I thought in that I thought I thought Armagh were good over the last one. I think um I think Armagh will probably I think Armagh will shade down, but I give down a real chance and I think Derry will shade Monaghan. Again, I think it'll be it'll be quite tight. Um Sunday afternoon in Crow Park uh, the first game 145 Morris uh, awfully against Loud uh, awfully for, for me I think uh, like I don't know why you threw this to me because you were obviously there yeah, the scenes seemed kind of incredible it seems to be a crest of a wave there like this, this feels like kind of a, a clear the court and let Paul Cook here like I can imagine from your perspective that was uh, that was really magic um uh yeah there's no there's no dressing it up we've waited a long time to win two championship matches in a row in leinster we've waited a long time to beat somebody other than longford or wicklow and that's no and normally we lost by the way to longford and wicklow we've lost to both of them in in the championship in recent years have lost to wexford and for awfully it's i think it's brilliant for awfully football that the work that has been done is beginning to show it's going to take a long time before it really bears fruition but there is serious work going on at uh with at development squads at under 20 at minor and there's good footballers coming through and i'm delighted for those group of lads who are in their late 20s and early 30s who have really soldiered there and took a lot of pain have come up just a little bit short in a few key matches for them to have won against me than to fully deserve the the victory on the day i i i just am i'm absolutely delighted for them paul how many, how many under 20s are are you know from the last few years are on that team and and there, there's a few injuries there's a few players that expect to see that that, that yeah where, where's that at so so the first two have have come true from that under twenty All Ireland winning team, uh, Lee Pearson and Rory Egan. Lee Pearson was excellent on on Sunday, and Rory Egan scored a goal in the point in the first half from wing back, a goal not unlike Rhino Tools' finish actually um, in, in in the first half. Um, I think Colton, who will be on the team, only was injured. He was injured. Similarly, John Furlong and Keith O'Neill are sort of three injuries there who those guys would be in the team ordinarily. So there's those players coming through, but I think there are very few inter-county footballers now arriving at 18, 19. It, it can take a little bit of time. And it's, uh, like, uh, uh, there's a renewal process underway in Offaly. And, and last week was, was a great, a, a great, I, I was like Sunday was just it was just a great day to be, to be an Offaly supporter and, and having previously come up short. And that's why, that's why I would believe in the Leinster Championship or I would believe in that because even if Offaly go no further, even if Offaly or whoever wins between, there's a huge prize now from Offaly and Loud next Sunday. Now, Loud have set themselves out as the number two team in Leinster and now Loud have to live up to that. 
next Sunday. But if they do, there's a huge prize there between Loud and Offaly. And it's get into the All-Ireland series. So that's something that makes it meaningful as well. Who do you think will win that match, James? Well, have you any players back before no. next week? No. Um, I, I think Loud, what they've done and the, the, the way they came back in the um, in, in, in the second half, just the sort of crest of a wave that they're on. I feel they'll they'll they'll, they'll come through that through, through that. Um, it would be great to see Offaly. It, it would be great to see Offaly, and the points for the reasons you've, you've, you've outlined. It'd be great to see Offaly coming through as well. But I just think Louth, you know, what they've experienced and what they've, the knowledge they've gained this year, and under the tutelage of, 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 of Mickey as well, I think they'll, they'll probably have enough. Paul, unfortunately, yeah. so, you know, Gary. Yeah, I probably it's hard one to call now, but I probably just say marginally Louth. Um, I don't. I don't know exactly why. Maybe the Mickey Hart factor. Um, you know, as we said, they're the, the, the great win they had yesterday as well. Um, and their their Division Two League campaigns are a bit battle hardened as well. <clears throat> um, like that though, I, I, I love see Offie's progression. I really enjoyed their under twenty um, match the All Ireland that time as well too. Like just no more than what I was saying about Kildare Meads, Armano as well. They bring great colour and and uh, interest to the championship as well but uh they have two goal as involved there as well in the backroom set up um keith carr was at snc yeah. kevin walsh and uh, alan flynn he was actually club man of mine and tube star as well too so he'd be serious operator and just everything they've gone through as well over the last few weeks too would be kind of in a way no disrespect to loud it'd be nice to see them kind of progress a bit further i think a lot of people would be in agreement with that but um you know no, i I'd, I'd just say slight slightly loud but um i don't need to be anthony in it morris uh dublin dublin clear Dublin. James. <laughs> yeah, Dublin. Dublin. Um, absolutely. They're they're you know, that's some scoreline at the at the weekend. Um yeah, just just getting players back, gelling together, every win like that, it helps and builds confidence and I think they'll have a strong win over Kildare as well and they'll they'll go from there. Gary? Yeah, I'd say Dublin as well too. Uh, funny, I, I would like in terms of all Ireland's with Dublin, I I probably would have wrote them off early on there for a few reasons. But um, no more than Galway's March last year to the final uh, Division Two is probably nearly suited them. They've been out of the limelight. They're you're you're not watching them, I suppose, religiously every Sunday night and the reels and chat and the highlights show on, on the Sunday night show or the game of the GA. But um. I just think that Division 2 is nearly suited them. They've kind of gone about their business quietly. Player, players have come back and we haven't even noticed it. They've racked up a big score there at the weekend as well. Um, so I think they're definitely right back in the mix and I think they'll, they'll be killed there comfortably enough the weekend. Yeah. I um, I I think it might be a little bit closer. I do think Dublin will win, but I think Kildare must show, must show something. They've it's Those underage players from Kildare who've come through and successful underage teams, under minor 20 teams, they have to have something in them. And I, I think it'll be closer than people think. Um, when it comes to Offaly Loud, I said last week about predicting between Offaly and me that predicting your own county is just, it's one of the great impossibilities of life. So I go back to logic in in Everton that, uh, or try to go back to logic. And the logic is that Offaly finished third, in, or Offaly finished fifth in Division 3 and Loud finished third in Division 2. And that says that Loud should should have more should have enough for Offaly that being said I will guarantee Offaly will, will not be one small bit afraid 
uh, of of the opportunity. Um, James, I want to ask you before we finish: Did you know Mick Loftus? Uh, yeah, I would have known him from 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 around Mayo. Yeah, um, he was, you know, the, the Dr. Mickey Loftus room in McHale Park. It's a, it's a, it's one of the big rooms there. We would have had our our meetings there as a team a, a lot, and and Dr. Mickey would would be round McHale Park an, an awful lot, and and anything to do with Mayo football. Talk about a life well lived. You know, I know it's it's been in the in in the media um, over the last few days, but. What a phenomenal guy he was. He, he basically excelled at everything he did. Played football for Mayo at all levels, from minor, junior, right through senior. Won Sigerson's, um, ref, ref a number of All Irelands, um, president of the of the GEA, Connacht Council. Um, you, you you name it. This guy did it. He was a medical practitioner in medical practice. He was a coroner. Um, ran marathons in his seventies. Um, this he he was an amazing man um, and and an absolute gentleman, also. So so look, just everyone down here, our, our, our thoughts and prayers are with his with his his family and and, and friends. And um, he was a heartbeat of the community down in Mayo and and, and around Cross Carlina. Um, so just just a phenomenal man, inspiring man, uh, really. And and anyone that ever met him um, would would only describe him as a gentleman. So so our thoughts and condolences with his with his family. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to endorse every word on that, both inspiring and a gentleman. Uh, and and a life well lived is is exactly exactly right. Um, I'd like to say thank you to Gary for, for joining us today. Thanks very much. Uh, thank you very much to James. And tomorrow's thanks to Larry Ryan for running the podcast, to Raf Rocket, to Jack Neville, to Adrian Russell, to Tony Lean and to everyone at Examiner sport uh, when we come back next week we'll be exclusive to examiner uh, subscribers um, thank you to Renault for their support uh,